Today's guest is a former elementary school teacher. He's the author of several books for children as well as books for adults. His children's picture books include Most People, Most Days, and Good Night Whispers. Welcome to the show, Michael. How are you doing? I'm just fine. How are you today? I'm doing very good. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much for joining me today on this episode of Mirror Talk. I'm so excited to learn, you know, about your books, about the inspiration behind them, and even about yourself. So, Michael, can we start with you? You sharing a bit about yourself and your love for classrooms and libraries. Oh, yeah. So, that's easy for me to talk about. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I often say, especially when I'm speaking with young children, that... Um, I've really, I must love reading and books and learning because I did it as a student. And when I finally graduated from college and was able to do something else, I chose to become a teacher and I spent the next 30 plus years in the classrooms and libraries and, and school buildings. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I, you know, now I'm retired from teaching in a, in a regular school building. But um, now my focus is on writing children's books and uh, and other things too. I I I kind of go where the 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 road takes me, and I try. You know, it's not so much that I choose a road to go down all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the road chooses me. So sometimes I'll end up writing something that I don't even expect, and so I have written things not for just children, mm-hmm. but for adults. I've written some nonfiction. I've written some fiction, and. Uh, that's that's the way I operate. But yes, I I still like to be um, with children in schools. I just recently was in one or two here uh, where I live in in, in Wisconsin in the, in the United States. Yes. And what what drew you to children? As in, why why children? Why elementary school? That's a good question, and I don't know if I can nail down an answer for you. It's mm-hmm. it's just something that I do remember when I was uh, approaching college, I thought I wanted to be a, a psychiatrist. And uh, I took classes uh, in, in that area, but that didn't last real long. And I don't know, I can't remember exactly, but I did, even as a, even as a young teenager, I worked with children on the playgrounds. I was a like, lifeguard on the beaches. Um, working with kids and I, I like kids and, and it was something that I, like I said, I, I like being surrounded by books mm. and, and learning uh, materials. Yes. So I, I live in a home today that's full of books and globes and, you know, all sorts of things like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. yes. Um, children. I've, I've always had kind of a, a knack with getting along with children. And when I taught Let's just use it as an example. When I taught third grade, mm. I locked in on the humor of the third graders and, and enjoyed the riddles and jokes they would tell. And not everybody does that. I know there are friends of mine who would not want to be in such a position for very long, um, but, but I wouldn't want to be doing what they're doing either. So we all find our place, I guess. That's true. So I was, I was going through your, your website and I read this word. You said, um, I don't get enough. And this guided you through your life as a teacher, as a father, and as a writer. How, how, how did these words you know, guide you through all of these areas of your life? 
That's a good question, and I appreciate it. It shows that you read my my little write up on the website. Yeah, um, I feel that way sometimes. Like I didn't get enough, and it's funny because when I do get together with childhood friends, they don't share the same memories that I do. Of course, when I was teaching second grade or third grade, I would relive my own days when I was that age more than somebody who's a truck driver or a, a doctor or somebody else. I, I've full, I kind of remember those days better, I think, because I just have to rely on those old memories a lot in doing the job I do. Mm -hmm. So um, it just feels like often I'll reflect on that. Like I didn't get enough. I enjoyed being read to when I was a small child. And I enjoyed those picture books that were in my house when I was little. And uh, I, I didn't get enough. So I'm still hungry for that. And I, I'm making them now. And, um, and just in general, like I said before about learning and being in a place like a school or a library, I, I couldn't get enough of that. And I enjoy being in those environments. Uh, it just has kind of driven my whole life. And then when I had children of my own, I read them the children's books that I most loved. But now they're grown, and I, I, I this this desire to do these things has to go somewhere. And now I guess I'm I'm happy that I'm able to write these myself, get them published enough so that other people um, elsewhere can see them and read them. That is very gratifying to me. Yes. And if, if, if you could say, what's, what's your most favorite book, for example, or your most favorite um, child book or children book, for example? It's, it's very hard to, to pinpoint a favorite book. There are, here's the funny thing. I had to relearn when I became a writer. I had to relearn things about what goes into a good book. And I failed at first in the stories that I wrote because I was remembering the ones I most loved as a child, but they were different back then. And this is something that maybe not everybody knows or realizes, but when you read a children's picture book today, mm. or any children's book, I think, um, I'm focusing on picture books, though. When I was little, the books that were in my home and that were read to me often involved an adult who would be the problem solver um, there were just certain things in these old books that were accepted. Children were not the focus of them often. It'd be some, there would be animal characters. There would be, you know, some, the ones I remember that I really liked, there was some, uh, like a man who was involved. And nowadays, these, this is not what we do. And I was writing these kinds of things, trying to emulate those books that I most liked. Um, and I just failed to get anything accomplished with that. And it, it had to be, uh, I had to learn that to, to what people want today are children who are the ones who are the focus of the book. It seems it's just, I should have known this, but I didn't. Um, the children have to be the ones who overcome the problem and solve the problem. Um, you know, that, that you can't have this big adult step in and solve the problem for the children and, oh, everybody's happily, lives happily ever after. That's what we mm -hmm. used to have. When I was a kid, just to name one that I liked, there were books 
with Uncle Wiggly. And when I was little, these were old then, but they were in my house. And I remember liking them. But this is this old rabbit character who went around and had these adventures. And, you know, there were other ones, too, uh, that I remember from my childhood, that these these books that were in my home. And there often were these these uh, adult characters who went off in their truck and got in an adventure and something happened. And, you know, you didn't have children being the ones who were essential to the, to the story. And talking about, you know, children being the focus of a book, all of us start with your first book, Most People. I, I I I was reading the the, the description on um, Amazon, I guess, on your website, and I highlighted something out. You so you wrote, um, "We must be careful when we are out in the world. Careful, but not afraid. When the news is scary, that's the time to remember that most people are good people." So, what was the inspiration behind this very courageous picture book for children? Well, you know, this is something that book. When people ask me, especially children today, when I'm asked, how long did it take you to write that book? Mm. That's a real common question when you're with children. Um, often the answer is it takes, you know, a longer time than they think. That book, I think when I first got the idea and started jotting down things I might want to put in that book to the time it was published was more than 10 years. Mm. And that's not like I wrote. It didn't take that long, but from the beginning to the end. And sometimes it takes that long for an idea to kind of just get ready or to kind of evolve and become something that you want. And what, what started it was um, bad news that got into the, on the radio and on TV and my students who at that time I was teaching little children, they were afraid and they were saying things that concerned me a lot. And my own children at home were doing this too, saying that these people from other countries are are bad, or they had this kind of mentality about all this. Nine uh, eleven was a big part of it. Everybody was afraid, and there were things that would get on the news, and that inspired me to write most people because I just wanted to assure these children I worked with that you know these things happen. They're in the news. They're actually rather unusual, but that's why they become a news item. They're not going to put news about somebody went to work today, had a nice time, and went back home and went to sleep. It's it's the things that when something horrible happens, that's what gets in the news. So I wanted to assure them that most people you meet every day when you go to the supermarket or when you go to the library, when you're downtown. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the people in your neighborhood who you see, they're they're much like you. They want much of the same things as you. They would help you if you if they if if they could if you needed help. Um, there are some people who have done some bad things, and uh, you need to be careful, but not afraid. That's my that was my thing that you repeated. So yeah, I wanted them to know that. I didn't want them to get the wrong idea that everybody's wonderful out there. You can't say that, but um, you, especially if you're holding your your mother's hand or you're with your dad or your uncle or your grandma, if you're with someone like that, you're, you're safe. You know, when you go places, you can, you know, there are people walking by. You don't have to be afraid of them. They're probably very good people. 
much like you. And uh, that's what I wanted to tell them. So the sad thing about it, something I did not expect, mm-hmm. is um, when when there is a horrible thing. Well, first of all, I'll tell you that when I had the idea, it sat for a while and I forgot about it. And then something bad would happen in the news and the kids would be talking again. And I would say, oh, you could either write this book, you know, get going, you know. So then I would write it some more and then it would kind of fade away again until another really terrible thing happened. This is what kind of inched me into doing it, finally getting that done, were these bad things that happened in the news and they're always going to happen. And I found that out. This is something I did not expect. But when something horrible happens in the news, even today, nowadays, the sales of most people go up. And it's it's something that I don't like, but it just seems to be a reaction because I know there are teachers and, and parents across the, the countries who like to read that book when there is a, a horrible thing that happens where someone has done something that gets in the news mm-hmm. that we don't like. So mm-hmm. they want this. This is where this book has kind of come in handy for people like that who need something to assure their children that, uh, you know, this thing happened, but mm-hmm. let's remember that uh, most people are, are good. And that I, you have to believe these things, you know, they're children's books, but as the writer, you really have to believe in them. And there were a few things that I first put into most people that I really couldn't stand by and defend. Um, I'm not sure if I can think of any right now, but I had, there's a, there are a lot of things in there about most people love to smile. Most people love to laugh. Most people love to see other people smiling and laughing too. Yes. I believe that, you know? So I think that's true. But there were a few things I thought kind of went too far. And I said, eh, I don't know. Most people really don't do that. So I had to take it out. Mm-hmm. So even a book like this, you really have to be able to stand by what you say. And it's important that you can defend it. Um, and that's, you know, I think that's what's happened with this book. So the, the book is optimistic, but not too optimistic. And um, the message is just to ensure that the kids are not afraid, but are co- um, you know, cautious of the word out there. Yeah. Yes. I did. It's funny because some of the kids who I re- read this with, they are most interested in the, the bad parts. There is something in there about sometimes people use bad language. Oh, mm-hmm. they want to know about that. <laughs> there's a part with a fire truck you know something bad's happened and people are concerned oh they yeah. want to know what happened so this you you have to enter into those real things that do happen and acknowledge mm-hmm. that yes these things happen we can't deny it that would that would be that wouldn't be a good uh, book then yes. Um, so yes there are things that happen but mm-hmm. we can do something about it and i also wrote in there that each person who um has chosen a, a bad path can come around and they can change. You know, mm. there's a seed of goodness in each of us mm. that, that maybe hasn't sprouted yet or that, that kind of thing. So yeah. um, I do believe that I've met a few people who've questioned that and who don't believe that, but you know, we're, we um, sometimes you're just going to find people who differ with you. True. And uh, I tend to be an optimistic person and I am a people person. 
Dear friend, you can grow your personal and business brand by creating a strong network through podcasting. Create real human connections, have the ability to share your story and interesting point of view. To get started, you can make use of the special offer for friends of this podcast, which is on kitcaster.com slash mirror. K-I-T-C-A-S-T-E-R dot C-O-M slash M-I-R-R-O-R. The link and further instruction or details will be found in the show notes for this episode. Thank you. Do not forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you listen to this on. Thank you. And talking about being optimistic and, um, you know, uplifting and um, encouraging, your second book um, titled um, Most Days is also like in that same pattern. And I also also have a quote from it, which I want to read. (laughs) It it says, good things happen in the ordinary minutes of an ordinary day. Wow. That's (laughs) that's like good things happen when you least expect them to happen. Yeah. So what's what's the inspiration behind this book, and what's the importance of mindfulness? Because I know this book is about mindfulness. Yeah, I wouldn't use that word when speaking with little children, but mindfulness is the thing. And I think that even if you don't know what that long word means, if you're a child, you can still practice it. You can still learn how to do it, and um, you can improve your your daily life if you do. And I, I believe that too. I think that if we just notice the good things that are happening around us on an ordinary day, that's kind of the key to having a really nice, happy life. Mm-hmm. Most days was written. Um, I, I thought most days are not your birthday. Most days are not a holiday. On most days, we don't have parades and festivals. They're just regular days, you know. But they're the best days. They're where they are the days where most of your really good memories are made. Mm-hmm. So I, I like to tell children, when you're an adult, you'll look back with, with these memories of your you know, your relatives or your, your friends at school. And it will be from probably days that are just regular days when you went for a walk with your grandpa or when you um you know went fishing with your friend, or these are just regular days that that are full of all these wonderful things if you take the time to notice and to, to, the smells, the sounds, the, the things that are happening in your house every day. So that's what most days was all about. Yes. So for me, it was like paying attention to the, you know, the, the little things of life, like going for a walk and you know, paying attention to nature, for example, Notice how the trees are, um, how the leaves are on the tree, for example. Notice the birds that are flying, the flower that is blooming, um, and appreciating everything that, that is around you, and that makes you happy. That also creates good memories for you. Yes, instead of instead of saying, "Well, nothing, I'm bored, nothing's happening, everything's boring here," I've heard that from people, mm. um, especially teenagers or you know some children. But it just it's, it, there, things are different. I always say it, I always use this as my example. Every morning, I have a dog. And every morning, I take my dog for a walk. I have to. Um, a cat, you can let the cat go in the litter box, you know. Um, other animals, you don't have to do this. But with a dog, you must take him outside and, and let him do what he has to do. 
So every morning I will take my dog for a walk around the block or maybe over a different place, but a brief time outdoors. And if my neighbors see me doing that, they might say, oh, there's Mr. Leanna out walking his dog again. Same thing every day, but it's not. <laughs> every day when I go out, first of all, my dog loves to go out and is eager to get outside because there are new smells and things to see and things to get into. So he's just always eager to get outside. And I kind of am too. Just this morning when I took my dog for a walk, I thought about this because I was speaking with some children a while back talking about this. There might be an airplane in the sky. There might be a tree branch that fell. There might be a neighbor out who you can say hello to. There's always something different. And this morning when I was walking along, here in Wisconsin where we live, there are squirrels that are around in the trees, running on the grass, and usually they're gray. Today, there was one that was perfectly black, which is very unusual. Um, it, it, it was just very unusual to see one like that. But I thought, oh, that's something we don't see every day. So there, every day, it looks like I'm just going around the block, and it's the same houses, the same trees, the same this, the same that. But it's really not. There's, there's so many different things to notice and to look for just in that walk around the block. And that's to say nothing about what happens in my house at supper time or when I go with a friend somewhere. There are so many things to see and notice, and that's kind of the key. So um, try to try to tell people this, to try to tell children that they, if they just look and notice and listen and smell and use their senses, they will have this, this almost like a magical treasure-filled day every day, mm. not just on birthday or holiday. Yes, and that's a very, a very important, you know, message to pass across to even kids right now to ensure that they know that um, they don't have to wait for a special day to feel special or to um, experience something great. But every minute counts. Every moment in life could be special. It's hard to do that always, but it's a good goal to set for yourself each day to do that as much as you can. Yes, even for myself. Yeah, that's a goal I'm setting for myself too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So allow, allow me to read this. Um, you, you are strong. You are brave. You are so incredibly good. On an ordinary night in an ordinary house, a father's ordinary words do something extraordinary. That's good night whispers. Can you tell me about this other picture book and what's the importance of you know, positive affirmations and what does it do to the mind and to the growth of children? It's a good question. And it's an important one. I think that as a teacher, at one time, I worked in a big city with poor children and troubled families. And, and, and they were first graders. These are children who are six or seven years old. And when they would come to school in the morning, it was hard. at first, I was a young teacher then, and I just kind of tried to force it. And I would you know, take out your math book now. Let's let's do this reading lesson now. And they weren't ready. And it took me a while to figure this out, that I would get a lot better results from these children if I took the first 20 minutes of the day and did something to make them feel good about themselves, um, to do something that would boost their mood or their self-esteem. And I just think you have to do that. And even when I moved to a place where I was teaching 
children who were a little better off, they too, even, even children who have everything, they've got a lot of doubts. They have a lot of um, things that they're concerned about. They also, even all children, need this little bit of a boost, I think, to get going before we start. It's almost like they're hungry, and if I feed them a little bit with some food, they'll feel better, and they'll have better, a better time doing the lessons. So I learned this early on in my teaching career to do something to make everybody feel good and to trust each other and to, and to kind of, here we are in a safe place and let's, you know, all of you have such strengths and, and uh, uh, good positive energy. We need to acknowledge that. We need to do something to show that or to, so that you all feel it. Then we can take out our math books, you know, and do that stuff. <laughs> and I kind of put it into practice, especially when my own children were, were little. And I'm, I was amazed later as a teacher that some of the parents I worked with didn't realize this, that when they spoke with cruel words to their children, this was not helpful. Um, and that they would have a much better results if they would find something to praise their children for and do that rather than look for the negative and, and, and be uh, kind of angry at those things. So when my children, I, I'm not bragging about this or anything, but I, this was kind of a, not a formal experiment, but it was something I kind of did with my children when they were little. I would go in and kind of did what this father does in Goodnight Whispers. I would go in and just talk to them while they were still awake but just before they went to sleep and I would say something nice about them and go over their day and, and say something about, you know, I would say something like, you are really good. I love you. Um, my favorite thing that I put into the book is I love being your father. Mm. I think hearing that has got to make somebody feel good. So yes. I could just say to my students, I love being your teacher and it makes them feel good. <laughs> People should do this more, but this is what I did with my own children. And I'm not saying that they are, you know, uh, outstanding people, although I kind of feel that way. Um, but the, the, I think it did well for them to, to get that treatment. And in my book, of course, it's a children's book, so it makes it kind of simplified. But this father says something every night. And sometimes I would come home too late but my children would be there sleeping and I would still go in and whisper a little bit in their ear. And I don't know if they heard it or if it went into their subconscious or what, but that was my kind of my part of my little experiment. I thought I'm going to say something to them every night and, and we'll see what happens with this. And I, it's still, my, my children are now grown and I still, when I see them, I try to say something positive about what, what, what I think of them and, and uh, point out, good things, you know, it's just a good thing to do. Positive affirmations. Mm. And I think we all could benefit from those. Um, yes. Speaking them, writing them, you know, to people. It, mm. it, it really does make some significant changes when you do that. That's true. Like pointing out and celebrating the, the good things in people's life. Yeah, it encourages them to do more good things also. Yes, and in my book, 
it's a, I had to choose when you're a writer, you have to make decisions like this, but I chose a man and a little girl. And that's who the story's about. But I always say, this could be a woman and a son. It could be a grandma and her grandchild. It could be, it just really is any two people who care about each other saying nice things back and forth to each other. Um, special, very magical kinds of things happen when you do that. And um, are the children also allowed to, you know, give their parents goodnight whispers? <laughs> ah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> to make it vice versa so that it could be, you know, a two-way kind of relationship. Yes. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, in most people and in most days, mm. these two books, you begin in the morning and you see these children and they go through the day and the last page shows the nighttime. They've gone through a whole day. Mm. In Goodnight Whispers, it's much different. You see in the very first page, a little baby in her crib and her father leaning over and whispering something to and then you see her grow to a toddler, to a teenager. Pretty soon she's an adult. She has her own baby. You know, if you go through her whole life in a one little thin picture book here. That's the way it was done. So, that's yeah. right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So now I would love to, um, you know, gain some advice or gain some experience from, or knowledge, sorry, gain some knowledge from your experience as a former elementary school teacher and also as a parent now. So um, what are some things that you think parents should do to help their children um, boost their self-confidence or even to improve their self-image? Like you've talked about some already, but yeah, some other things. Yeah, I already mentioned the big ones, just to say nice things and, and try to, try to um, you know, you don't want to ignore when something wrong happens, but, but don't dwell on that. Mm. And uh, you know, it's such an important one. It's so, it's so much easier. Even when I was a teacher, I would have sometimes 25 children in the room mm. and one of them would be acting up and, and talking too much or doing something wrong. Mm. And your impulse is to, is to stop what you're doing and tell that person, stop it, stop it. Mm. You know? mm. um, and <laughs> that doesn't work real well. Uh, I found that out. It's, it's much better. Just so sound simple, too simple, and maybe unrealistic, but it really does work much of the time when this person over here is acting up mm. and wanting my attention in this negative way. If I can just find somebody over here instead who's doing it the way I want, and I can just stop my lesson and say, wow, look what you're doing over there. This is excellent. And, and praise mm. that person for doing the right thing Everybody hears that. Everybody wants that. And it, it, it happens. It just makes everything work better if you can remember to do that. Mm -hmm. It's more pleasant for everybody, including the teacher, instead of always going over and saying, oh, you're doing it again. Stop that. You know, you just don't want to do that. That person over there will try to imitate that on the one over there getting the, the positive reinforcement. But I would do that when I sometimes witness uh, parents out in the world scolding their children. Yeah, boy. It has to be done. It ha Sometimes it ha really has to be done. But too often, it's not done right. The children are learning the wrong lesson. Um, you know, if your child is running into traffic, you have to shout and, and physically stop them. You know, that is important. 
but sometimes they're shouting when they really shouldn't be shouting. Uh, if things can be done in a more quiet, kind way, and this is it's a little bit a little bit hard at first, maybe it becomes easy though, and I think it's a it's great fun to acknowledge in yourself that you were patient and you hadn't handled it well, you know. No one, I don't think anybody feels really good after they yelled and their face was, you know, full of anger and they've, and they're, you know, they lost it when their child has done something in, in a, a, a grocery store or a place like that. You don't, you don't, you shouldn't do that. There are ways to treat these things as learning opportunities for your children. And uh, they learn, you know, they learn patience. They learn kindness and and all those things from their parents very well um, but they also learn the other you know the, the anger and the and the impatience temper tantrums whatever that, that comes to so we have to be careful they they imitate and they watch and learn so one has to be very cautious the way one behaves in front of the children for example it's not easy all the time but it's, it's a challenge and it's actually great fun. Mm-hmm. It's, I think I think people fail to see it as something that's uh, that they that they can achieve. It's 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 something that you can set as a goal. You know that I'm going to treat my children a certain way, and they're going to respond to me in a certain way. And often it works. Mm-hmm. It's it's tough sometimes, and there are sometimes circumstances that throw it all off. But um, I'm a believer in that. And that's where a lot of these books have come from. So now all of us to you know switch to another you know group of people. So so far we've talked about you know books for children like picture books. Now all of us talk about the books and um, the book you've written for writers and for teachers of writers. Oh I, yes, yes. <laughs> you titled it "We Think with Ink." Um, which is which also has a companion book, which is titled um, "We Think with Ink: Ideas" book. Yes. So, can you tell me about this book and how does it help writers and teachers of writers? Well, we here's the here's the secret that not everybody knows. I have been interested in writing for a long time, and when I was a teacher, mm-hmm. I was writing stories. Some of them got into magazines. Some of them uh, were published in small markets. Um, Small publishing companies picked up a couple of my books, the nonfiction books for adults, for instance. I couldn't get my children's picture books published when I was a teacher. And I I didn't, I, I liked being a teacher, but I had this dream for myself to become a writer and to stop teaching and become a regular full-time writer. That never happened. I, I ended up teaching until I reached the age of retirement and I retired from teaching. And then now I'm doing this children's picture book writing now, which is just fine. But I also, this is this We Think With Ink book that was written with full of uh, teacher ideas. I wanted this perhaps to become something that I could do as a teacher. I wanted to, in, in my, where I live, we have in our schools reading specialists a special teacher who has his or her own classroom 
And children come into that room every day and learn how to read. Children who are struggling with reading, children who are gifted readers would go there, was reading focus. So there'd be lots of books, lots of talk about how to be a better reader. And I thought a long time ago, I thought, well, why don't we have writing specialists in our schools? Because a lot of children don't like to write and a lot of teachers don't like to teach writing. But if you, if you, I just think there's so much satisfaction gained by being a good writer. And if we taught our children early how to be good writers, they would automatically be good readers. How, how can you be a good writer and not be a good reader? So I just thought I could write this book, put this stuff together and become a writing specialist. Well, I tried. It got a little traction for a while. And then um, I like the, I blame the economy in the United States and maybe elsewhere in 2008, the economy went down mm-hmm. and a lot of these programs in the schools were were set aside. And I was getting close to maybe having that be a trial uh, experiment in my school district. And then I wrote this one more recently, the ideas book. This is strictly just for teachers in their classrooms, good ideas for how to get your children interested in writing. I think too often teachers tell their students to write a story, write what happened to you while you were on your vacation. And there's nothing inspiring there. If the children don't want to write, they don't have anything to say. But if you give them something that's exciting and worthwhile, they will want to write about it. And they'll want to share it. And they'll want to get feedback from other people. And this is what you want to get in your classroom, I think. So this was my vision was to have this writing specialist program in not just my school, but maybe elsewhere too. And have a special room where kids would go every day to do writing. And they have writing be, become a bigger part of their school uh, curriculum. Yeah. We have art rooms here where there's an art teacher and kids go there to, to do art. They should have a room where they come and write and do writing. Of and course. How to do it right. Yes. So. Yeah, that's true. But I'm, I'm a little bit curious. Can you share some of the ideas and some of the tools um, for writers? Yes. Um, there's, let's see, there are so many. Um, First, I have the books divided up into chapters. So you could have story writing, which is kind of the, that's the ultimate. That's what you want your children to be able to write a good story. But here again, expecting them to write a good story before they know how to write a good sentence, that's not going to work. They also have to have a good knowledge of the the words, the letters of the alphabet even. So there are games in here to reinforce all that too. Just uh, well, I had a game I played just the other day. There was a, I went to a school and, and some of these games can be played that they'll last. Maybe you can play them a little piece every day over a series of days. Sometimes they just fill up a few minutes at the end of a class. A lot of the story, uh, the writing ideas here. The one we played the other day, it was fun because I tried to find games and, and activities that are open-ended. You don't want to have a question that has only three possible answers. You know, I would say I had the children, um, these were just first graders. So I said, think of a, a word that has four letters and the last letter is P. 
and they were raising their hands and, and I said, here's the here's the, the trick though. Before I did that, I had a, on a piece of paper, I wrote a word. And I said, who can guess the word I've just written here? And they were trying. I said, you'll get a point if you can if you can tell me a word that ends with P that has four letters. And um, they were doing it. They had trip and they had, uh, oh, there's so many, keep. They're, they're, they kept raising their hands with a, by the time we finished, they had probably about 20 words. And I told them there probably are at least a hundred more that we haven't named. That's what I mean by open-ended. There are no real firm answers here. And uh, somebody had to say the word that I had written down. Then you would get five points. I think I said, you get one point if you just say one that works. And if you can name mine, you get five points, and then it will be your turn to do it. So oh, they were they were motivated by that. And I think what my word was now. Um, I'll think of it. Loop. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You get one point. So I know mine ended. I think it was the word help. help. It, had, it had not a vowel before the P. It had a consonant. So it was mm-hmm. help, I think. And uh, yes, so they just went around till somebody got it, and then it was their turn to do the same thing. They would say, and I would tell them, "Don't, don't ask us to think of a four-letter word that ends with E or S. That's too easy. And don't have us do one that ends with V. That's too hard. You have to give us a chance and make it a little challenging. So mm-hmm. E is a good one to, to do it with. Or uh, there are a lot of other letters you could do. So there are so many variations of that." Um, and I'm sure later I'm going to say, oh, why didn't I use this other one as an example? Because these books are full of ideas like that. This one, especially the second one. This one is written differently. It's, you know, how to set up your classroom, how to get the right mood in your room to, to, um, to help your writers get going on it and to build trust. Because I think that's a big problem with people sharing their own writing. They don't feel that they, they think people are going to laugh at what they've written, or they think people are going to say that's not good. And you have to get over that. That's a, that's a big obstacle. But there are things that I wrote in here that help with that. I think it's, it's very important. Um, you don't want to have the teacher checking tons of stories. You want the children to be checking each other's and to, and to giving feedback to each other. That's how it works best in a classroom. And I've got, I've had it work before. There are lots of games, lots of things that, that their focus is on writing and how words go together and how letters work. And, and there's, there's, just, there's a whole mentality that you're trying to uh, promote with that. So Yeah. Um, from, from your experience, would you say everyone has the ability to write or it's just a gift for particular people? <laughs> Good question. I don't know. Um, <laughs> some people are are seem to be gifted. Mm. Some people, you know, they'll, they'll often say, "How do you get your ideas?" You have to kind of put the radar up, and some people have it up, and some people just don't. the The ideas that you get as a writer sometimes they come to you even when you're in bed sleeping. Mm. Um, you've got to be ready to write them down or you'll forget them. But it just, the ideas come to some people and some people, you know, they don't have it. It's like, you know, 
you're talking about a skill and you can develop it. I don't think I'm when like, especially looking back when I was uh, in uh, 10 years old, I wasn't any better at writing stories than the next person in my, in my classroom. Um, maybe, but I don't know that it was something I had to develop. You have to learn how to do it. It's like, you know, if you, if you had a, um, like a, a baseball player, and someone might say, you know, how did you get to be so good? You know, some, some of it is natural ability. Some of it is just, you know, uh, you don't see people who are very, very, very short in the, on a basketball team, you know, you have to have some physical gifts too. You have to not to do that. To be a writer, there are certain things you, you have to have. Some of it's kind of natural. Some of it's not. It's, it's, um, it's a very difficult question to answer. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think that everybody could be a good writer. And it's, it's necessary, I think, to be able to do that to just write a note to somebody when I put it on the table so that they know where you went. You have to be able to do that in life. Yes. You have- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that counts as writing though, so that's true. <laughs> yes. And to write someone a card, you know, that's, you know, there are some times when there's an occasion, it could be a celebration day, it could be a sad day, mm. and someone writes me a card and they say something that is just perfect. And there's an ability there that can that can be learned and that can be uh, improved on and, and it should be. Everybody has the ability to do such a thing, and uh, you know you can work at that and make that better and better. I think. Yes, yeah, yes. you're not. You, I, I I disagree with someone who says oh, I've never been able to. I'm not a good writer. Mm. Eh, I'm not a good singer. Eh, I don't. I don't think that's true. You know, you've got you have to do it and. You have to you know, practice it, and some people are naturally good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some people who just probably can't do it physically. Sometimes you can't uh, be a singer, or you can't do certain jobs. You know, but often you you have, you if you practice, you can. You can overcome difficulties. You can become better and better at. So one just has to keep on trying. Keep on, yeah. Thriving, yes. So I would love to ask this um, last question, or second to last question, oh, actually. Okay. Well, the time has gone by really fast. <laughs> so fast, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, it is, as, as a father, an author, and um, a former teacher, um, what brings out the best in you, like, in life? Oh, is that a good question? Um, that's a really good question. There, here again, I think I'm blessed with people saying nice things to me Mm. and that's maybe what motivated me to do good night whispers especially because that's full of this positive affirmation thing it's i've you know you it feels good to hear those things i don't think that you should do what you do as a teacher or anything else just to get compliments or um positive messages back you know your your expectations shouldn't be there you should be you should do these things without expectations but it seems to me when you do that good things do come around and back on you it's 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 um it's amazing 
just the other day, I ran into somebody, I didn't recognize him, but he recognized me. It was a man, I was f- pretty far from home, but he said, aren't you, weren't you a teacher? And I said, yeah. And he said, oh, you were my son's teacher. And we had the nicest talk. This man remembered me and I was like, oh yes, I remember your son. I remember your name now. You know, I knew his name all of a sudden because he told me what his son's first name was. Mm-hmm. It was just such a good feeling. I left there. I thought about him and his son then for, for days. I still am thinking about him. Um, it's such a rewarding thing. So when my own children acknowledge things they remember that helped them that I did, or they remember something else that was positive from their childhoods, and they, they say that's because of you, dad, you know, that really is nice, of course. And sometimes I'll get, I would get that as a teacher too. Often at the end of the year, the children would go home and they would, you know, I knew they, they liked what they did that year. They liked me to some extent, but maybe only one would write me a little card and say here, and there'd be this nice little message in there. That's, that was enough if you get one. So um, sometimes that's, that's what you get and that's what you need. Wow, that's, that's awesome. Like, you know, being good to other people and saying good things to people, that's very, that brings out the best in you also. Yes, yes. So what's the best way to, to reach out to you, to connect with you and to work with you in case there's someone out there who wants to be a good writer and wants to work with you, Michael, or wants to get your books or wants to, you know, just, yeah. Well, you've mentioned that website a couple of times and they could go to my website. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if, I, if there's a way to, you know, it's just, it, it's uh, just my, my full name.com. Yes. So uh, yes, I'm Michael Leanna. Yes, I'm going to place the link in the show notes for this episode. So anyone who's interested could just click on it or copy it and get across yep. it. And there's an email address and there's other ways of getting hold of me there. Oh, I'm going to say one, one thing before we stop. Yes. And this is, this is another positive affirmation. You are very good at what you do here. <laughs> Thank you so much. You really, yes. Because <laughs> I didn't uh, know what to expect. And yeah. it's not always easy, but you have good questions. And you kept us moving from one thing to another very nicely so that we didn't dwell too long on, on most people or this one or that one. Mm. And you kept it going very nicely and you're very good at this. Thank you so much. That, that, means, <laughs> it, that means a lot to me coming from you. It means a lot. Thank well, you so much. It's true. I, I really appreciate everything I've been able to learn from you today. And um, I wish you all the best in life and keep on writing good books so that we could become better people. And <laughs> I will try. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. Do you, have, do you have time for one more thing? Yes, please. This is something I, I meant to say earlier, and I kind of I kind of went there, but I didn't go all the way down this path. But mm-hmm. when I first started writing children's books, I wanted to write funny picture books for children because those are the kinds of books I most enjoyed reading to my children at home and at school. Mm-hmm. Books that had talking animals, especially, I like those. Funny things happening, things that made kids laugh. Those were the books I tried to write. Mm-hmm. I, I kept writing them and sending them in. I could never get anywhere with them. Mm-hmm. And I still haven't. Look at these, these books that we've got here. Yes. These are not funny. You know, there's maybe a funny part or two, but they're not funny children's humorous ch- children's books. But here again, these worked. They, the, the, I've, I was moved to write them, sent them in, and these are the ones that the publishers wanted. And they still want them. 
And I'm not unhappy about that. But these other ones, I, I had this vision that I was going to go down this path this way with children's picture books that were funny. And this other path took me. And you don't always get to go down the path that you choose to go down, that the path chooses you. So that's what happened to me, that's at least true. so far. So I'm still trying those children's picture books that are funny. I still come, I've come up with ideas and I write them and send them in. And maybe someday we'll have a, a funny one, but I don't know. Yes, I, mean, <laughs> I hope so. Yes, yeah, so we'll just stay, we'll stay connected and stay stuck to your website so that immediately release a new funny book. We'll just see it on your on your website also. <laughs> I'll keep I'll keep you informed on that. Yes, that please. Yes, please. That would be great. Okay. Oh, great. Right. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. This is this has been awesome. This has been great. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me. It was nice. Yeah. Wow. You made it to the very end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful for your time, your love, and your contributions. Subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast. God bless you. Bye.